Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Culture Surfing. This is Lance Robertson. So we're going to do something a little different today uh, due to time constraints. Unfortunately, no, we couldn't be here, but I figured we couldn't lead y'all astray, uh, especially with such a important um, episode to record. I'm just going to go ahead and do this one solo, um, and I'm just going to jump right into it, and we're going to just going to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, as y'all know, I did pick the Heat in seven, and also uh, if you go to tallysite.com, uh, which is pretty much like a predictions website, you know that the they aggregate different uh, analysts, professional analysts, anywhere from ESPN to Fox to even places like uh, Death Pen, where I write. Uh, the staff uh, did their predictions, and I was the one of the only seven percent of people that had uh the Miami Heat winning and you know what uh at the end of the day I don't feel so bad about the prediction you know they did what they had to do but we'll talk about that later let's just go ahead and talk about the Lakers being that they are the winners of the series and of the bubble uh so first off I want to tip my hat to LeBron um because ultimately of the Lakers I was going to have AD as the MVP the finals MVP and for the most part, he was, um, but there was a couple of games where he didn't stand out as much. And uh, the main game that I'm thinking of is um, game three, where he was in foul trouble for most of the game. That kind of took him out. And then honestly, um, in the game five uh, performance from LeBron, where he, him and Jimmy Butler were pretty much just going toe-to-toe, and LeBron was... Uh, I mean, just lights out from three that game. And he, I mean, he looks like a Stephen uh, Curry in that game. So that and then just the way that he performed in the closeout game, um, which I mean, the Lakers were up by 30 points at one, you know, juncture of the game. So, yeah, uh, LeBron James gets his fourth finals MVP. And yeah, and his fourth title. Uh, and so that's going to be uh, at least three different teams that he's uh, won on the biggest stage. So that's that's uh, not an easy feat, especially being the main option of the team. So I just want to go ahead and give my flowers to him. And yeah, you know, I'm not 100% on Team LeBron, if you will, but at the same time, I respect greatness. And uh, I do appreciate what he's done for the game and also what he's done Um off the court as well, you know, whether that's uh, the school that he has or just uh, the power that he's given people to vote and to make change. And also just just the way that he leads off the court and, you know, he's a family man. And uh, I appreciate that. And, and it's it's great to see people like that rewarded. Um, also, I just want to say that Vogel – did a lot of things in this series, uh, whether it was uh, putting AD on LeBron, uh, AD on Jimmy Butler at times. Also, the way that for the most of uh, the series, how the Lakers defended Duncan Robinson, you know, game five, he did let loose. But for the most part, they, they kept him on clamps and to the point of that he was open in certain moments and it didn't matter because he was so tired from running around, you know, from the off-ball defenders chasing him that it resulted in the missed open shots. So that also, 
Uh, putting uh, Caruso in the starting lineup in the final game was another uh, nice chess move from uh, Vogel. So, you know, an energy guy like Caruso and also ultimately putting uh, Anthony Davis at the five where he excels most. It's just, you know, that's not necessarily where he likes to play the majority of his uh, basketball at. But, you know, that's what is uh, good for the team. So that was nice to see. And I don't know. I just I appreciate the Lakers from start to finish, like even pre-bubble. Um, I I love that LeBron actually cared about defense because there was a good, I'd say four to five seasons where, you know, it just looked like he was LeBron was taking off possessions and not caring as much on on the defensive end like I was or that we were accustomed to seeing, you know. And uh, it was great that he he led by example. And, you know, Anthony Davis, obviously, you know, runner-up defensive player of the year, you know, had something to say about that as well. And, you know, the accountability that LeBron had, it was nice to see, especially a 35-year-old LeBron James, you know, taking, uh, you know, hey, I'm going to guard Jimmy Butler or I'm going to guard Jamal Murray. You know, I, I love seeing that. I mean, I don't want to go too – deep into cliches, but I mean, that's like championship material right there. And uh, you can only respect that. You know, it's hard to um, negate anything that he did uh, in terms of uh, stepping up defensively and just the Lakers having this identity that even though they have like two of maybe the top five to at least top eight players in the league that, yeah, offense would probably be the main thing that, you know, people know them for, but honestly, it's the, the defense is what they hang their hat on. And, for a Lakers team, that's amazing because, you know, you go ball all the way back to the 80s, it's showtime, it's flashiness. But, uh, yeah, for the Lakers, I mean, it's they were more blue-collar than the Los Angeles Clippers claimed to be at the end, you know. They, 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 they worked harder defensively, you know. They took care of their assignments, and uh, that was refreshing to see. Um, now, in the finals, they weren't necessarily – the tightest on defense, but they still, you know, had their moments and they did what they had to do. And yeah, it's commendable. Um, you got to appreciate it. And AD, it was uh, nice to see him actually play some uh, significant basketball the first time in his career. I mean, yes, he's been in the playoffs with the Pelicans, but yeah, they made it to the second round just to, you know, and that's, that's about it. That's where the buck stopped. And to see Anthony Davis, you know, match up against, Nikola Jokic, you know, uh, second team all defense, Bam Adebayo, you know, and excel in those matchups was outstanding. And and then also uh, I read on the Twitter timeline, um, someone pretty much was saying, well, I didn't know that Anthony Davis was become Kevin Durant. Because, <laughs> you know, Anthony Davis started hitting three-pointers. It, it seemed uh, to be that um, that – left corner three was or even the corner like wing left corner wing was his hot spot you know he hit those two clutch threes against denver in that same spot and what happened to be the game winner and you know he had um, a remarkable series against the heat uh in terms of three-point shooting uh he actually led the team in the finals in three-point shooting uh which is hard to believe but he shot 42% from three 
And then to make matters even more impressive, LeBron shot 41% from three. And, you know, that's just not something that happens uh, quite often with LeBron. And, and it's uh, it's great to see Anthony Davis uh, do that because I know they were trying to do that um, in the latter seasons with the Pelicans with him. But for whatever reason, it just wasn't working. And now for at least, you know, this run, it looks like it's working. And I think that's something that he can uh, actually, you know, continue to grow uh, grow with is his uh, shooting. It's going to make him more of a complete player than he already is. Um, there is one player uh, in terms of role players that I wanted to give a shout out to uh, for his, maybe not the full finals performance, but he had two or three games um, where he looked pretty darn good. And that's uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope. Although he only shot uh, 30% from three, uh, he did have big moments where he was the third best Laker on the floor. He was also in the series uh, the third highest scoring Laker on the floor. And he also uh, played some pretty good defense in these games. You know, I'm not going to overreact because, like I said, he only had about two or three pretty solid or good games. But at the same time, like, for a person that's pretty much been a a negative for this team. Uh, it was it was good to see a role player step up, and that was definitely not the role player I thought was going to step up. Um, you know, just like Danny Green uh, didn't step up. I mean, he had another poor shooting series, and ironically, the guy that you know at one point held a record in the finals for most threes in the finals, he shot an abysmal twenty eight percent from three. I mean, he obviously missed the potential game-winning shot um, in uh, Game Five. So, yeah, that uh, that's very surprising. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the Lakers do uh, with Danny Green, being that he has a uh, 14 mil on the books next season. Uh, I don't know if they're going to try to trade him or keep him. Hopefully, hoping that uh, you know, he he gets better. I mean, it's kind of hard to uh, play any worse than he did. So, yeah. Um, then I want to give a shout-out to one of the worst mess-ups I've ever seen in an NBA Finals game, and that's saying something because J.R. Smith is up there as well, which ironically is also on this Lakers team. Um, that's going to go to Markeith Morris for the worst entry pass I've ever seen, which came in Game game 5, um, AD. He was down in the post. I saw what he was trying to do, uh, Markeith, that is, by trying to pass it to AD. But, I mean, it just – AD is not Gumby, and AB can, uh, AD cannot morph into a 20-foot, you know, object. And that's pretty much what, what needed to be done to catch that entry pass from Markeith. And, uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to say that because that was just pitiful. And you could tell that he was not ready for the moment. And, honestly – that was the one of the few things that Vogel did in that series that made me scratch my head, having a guy in there that had a poor game and did nothing and had like three turnovers and only one rebound, which is the rebound that he that got him the ball to make that poor pass and no points. So at that point, there was no there should have been no reason for him to be in the game, but that's water under the bridge and the Lakers won. So uh before we talk about the Heat, you know, I, I want to talk about the Lakers more because obviously, you know, they're the champions and they deserve a little bit more uh, attention. 
you know, and I just want to talk about honestly what they're going to do next season. You know, there's a lot of players off the books. You know, the Lakers, they signed a lot of players to these very, very, very team-friendly deals. You know, so Dwight Howard, like, I don't know exactly what they're going to do with him. Are they going to try to resign him? Or is Dwight Howard going to try to get that one last, quote-unquote, big money deal? I mean, because that's, you know, he could get that. I mean, this this free agency market's, you know, not great. So I think he could get something. I don't know about a multi-year deal, but I think he get maybe one more like eh, maybe a mid-level deal. I don't know if he's going to get anything higher than like 10 million, but you know, there's always a team that's going to overpay. So it's not about what you're worth. It's about what you, uh, you know, negotiate. Um, other than that, uh, we also have um, Rajon Rondo. Like, what is he going to do? You know, like, are the Lakers looking to bring him back? Are they going to try to let him go? I mean, at this point, I think it would be better for Rondo to just stick around because um, I think he does great in burst. I don't think he's, at this point in his career, he's not the person that you want uh, leading your team, more so just being a veteran off the bench for the young the youngins. And then Kyle Kuzma. That is one player that you got to keep your eye on this offseason because that is one of the few young pieces that the Lakers have uh, to acquire, you know, to use pretty much as an asset to acquire another uh, star player. Um, because, you know, players such as uh, Victor Oladipo are out on the market, um, not necessarily for free agency, but for trading. And then, you know, the Pacers are not necessarily in a spot that they need that kind of player right now because, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Pacers go into a rebuild and there's been a lot of noise about around Oladipo. So I can definitely see them trading him. And I mean, the Lakers make a lot of sense. They do need guard play desperately. The only thing is it's hard for the Lakers because they traded a lot of their, most of their trade, uh, their draft picks that they can use, they traded them uh, to the Pelicans, of course, for Anthony Davis, understandably so. But, you know, it kind of cuts them off from making a lot of these deals for these, uh, maybe not disgruntled stars, but stars that are just looking for a new horizon. And, I mean, L.A. is definitely an ideal spot for most players or just most people in general. I mean, not a lot of people don't want to live in L.A., I guess, or at least California. But yeah, I think Cal Kuzma is, uh, I don't know if he's necessarily long to be a Laker. I mean, if there's not like a trade that they can chip him in, then sure, I guess he can come back. But other than that, like, I think there's going to be a lot of new faces. Let's just say that on this Lakers squad next year. And yeah, LeBron looks great in the finals, but I mean, he's going to be 36 years old next season. And we don't necessarily know when next season is going to start. So it'd be nice to, or ideal, not nice. It'd be ideal for the Lakers to come out with a mid-20s. It doesn't have to be a superstar, but just some kind of all-star, some kind of semblance of a quality, dependable offensive player because uh, kudos to the Lakers. They got out of, uh, got out of uh, a lot out of AD um, concerning, you know, in regards to, 
him not missing as many games as he typically does due to injury. But I don't know how sustainable that is because I think it's better for the Lakers in the long run to kind of, you know, watch that closely, monitor um, his durability. So I, I think it's best if the Lakers get another star. And then also so LeBron can start just focusing on the playoffs more than the regular season because I don't know if we're going to see another MVP uh, quality run from LeBron, and I could very well be wrong, but I mean, Father Time is undefeated, and uh, yeah, I think it's best uh, for LeBron if he just kind of winds down. But who, what do I know? Um, but yeah, I mean, LeBron is arguably the to me the second best player of all time. I mean, he's kind of been there for a while. I don't want to necessarily get into the whole Jordan comparison because I think that's just a debate for another show and not on this podcast because it's not really something that we do. But, I mean, yeah, you got to acknowledge uh, what he did this season. And quite frankly, I didn't have the Lakers going to the finals. I had the Clippers, as most people did, and uh, the Lakers, they did what they were supposed to do. And, I mean, they weren't necessarily a deep team. Um, in terms of depth, but they uh, they had key moments for some of their bench players. It's just it wasn't one of those things where their whole bench contributed. It was like some games um, it would be KCP. Some games Rondo would make some clutch, you know, three pointers in the uh, in the finals. He kind of regressed, um, but he you know from the three point shooting that you saw from maybe like the Denver series or earlier. Um, but yeah, um, I just don't, I don't, I don't, this, this Lakers, uh, championship win is great, but in terms of, uh, the impressiveness level of it all for LeBron out of all his championship wins, it's easily like the least impressive and that's fine. It, I mean, the Lakers can only do what they can do. It's not their fault that Bam missed two and a half games or Drogic essentially missed the whole series. I know he played that last game, but I mean, who are we kidding? He wasn't all the way there physically, and that man was in excruciating pain. Um, so yeah, I don't. I'm not going to sit here and act like that was a real Drogic game because um, he was there physically, but he wasn't there. You know, he just couldn't do much, obviously, uh, considering his injury. But yeah, either way, like the Lakers won. LeBron, I mean, <laughs> LeBron with the series with Anthony Davis in it, he out-rebounded Anthony Davis. I mean, that's insane. Uh, he also led, you know, in terms of uh, just total rebounds, he was uh, season, uh, the finals leader in that as well for both teams. So that's impressive. And, I mean, yeah, LeBron – Another MVP for him, a uh, finals MVP for him. And I mean, honestly, I didn't think it was going to happen with this Lakers team. And, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, he went to LA. He doesn't care about winning because, you know, there were teams like Philly. You know, he could have maybe went to San Antonio. There were other options for him. And he went to the Lakers, which up until that point, honestly, didn't do anything except for, you know, squander opportunities, chase superstars, and somehow. Didn't get them, even though they're in the most prime real estate in the NBA. And then, you know, LeBron and the uh, powers that be, 
aka Clutch Sports, they were able to get Anthony Davis. And and that was that. But, you know, they could have easily, you know, just relied on star uh, star offense and not worried about defense. But, no, they uh, they ended up being one of the better defensive teams in the league. And, and that's saying something with LeBron at 35 years old, you know. Uh, once again, I, I know I've been harping on that, but it's just impressive that with the team like this, with, you know, just – uh, what, what what do you want to call them? Like the uh, the misfit toys, like that Christmas special, where just all these all these pieces that no one wanted, but then they come together and they work. You know, and LeBron makes it work. LeBron makes a lot of situations work. LeBron makes money for players that otherwise probably wouldn't even have a spot in the league. So once again, you know, you got that's just commendable. LeBron is a creator. General in general, he creates on the court, he creates off the court. Uh, he sees things and he makes it happen. We may not always agree with his approach, but for the most part, he gets the job done. So, uh, I tip my hat off to LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, he I earned a lot, uh, he earned a lot of respect for me. Or I don't know a lot of respect for him, I should say. Sorry. And it's just that I was not expecting him to have this kind of, not necessarily finals performance, but just all around. Because uh, early in the finals, I did have him because defensively, he had players scared to just be around the rim. Like, he wouldn't even block someone or even be close to blocking them. And you could tell that it felt it looked like they could hear his footsteps and they messed up or they were kind of weary about driving to the rim and things of that nature affect the game deeper than a box score stat will show. So for that alone, AD, you know, was my finals MVP. And obviously the way that he was shooting and scoring the first few games, um, but ultimately LeBron got it. And uh, that's what I'm going to say about the Lakers. Now let's talk about the Heat. Um, yeah, Jimmy Butler. I am not a Heat fan at all. But at some point in the near future, you'll see me rocking a, hopefully a Miami Vice edition, Heat Jimmy Butler jersey. That man played a game of basketball like his life was on the line and that his family was in ransom. And the only way that, or his family was in hostage, and the only way that he could get them out is if he won the series. That's how hard that man played. I mean, at this point, I can't even complain at work that I'm tired because Jimmy Butler played 47 minutes of a 48-minute basketball game and won. You know, I mean, just let's look at, let's look at this. 26 points, 8 rebounds, 9.8 assists, 2.2 steals. On 43 minutes per game, Okay, that's unheard of in terms of playing that long. No one was close to that on either team. Jimmy Butler, I mean, that one scene in game five where near the end uh, where he was just bending over the stanchion and just, my goodness, you could tell how tired he was. He was just 
almost down and out. And but he played so hard and he and he was efficient. I mean, this man could have easily packed it up and just said, screw it. You know, we did all we could. Let's go home, you know. But he's not happy with that. I mean, this guy shot 55% from the field despite a 30% three-point, you know, shooting outing. I mean, that guy was living with floaters. He was, you know, getting the mid-range game as he's known for. He was getting to the line mostly. I mean, you got to be super tired and still get to the line and be able to finish 47 out of 53 free throws. It's insane. I mean, I don't even think, I don't even think LeBron had, no, LeBron didn't even, LeBron shot 28 out of 42. I mean, come on. You're leading in free throws in a game where LeBron is playing? That's otherworldly stuff right there. That's like bizarro NBA world. Jimmy Butler pressed the issue. Goran Dragic goes out with the uh, plantar uh, fasciitis tear. In game one, then Bam strains his neck in game one and, and misses about two game, two and a half games. And Jimmy somehow still is able to pull them through and win two games on his own, essentially, except for, you know, the game five, uh, Duncan Robinson performances one of the best three-point shooting performances of all time in the finals. You know, Bam was a shell of himself that game. You could tell he wasn't right still. And yeah, Jimmy Butler, he's not a top 10 player. To me, he's a top 15 player. I said this on Twitter earlier today. He's a top 15 player with a top five player's competitive edge. I mean... Typically, this is all cliche, but that man wants it more than anybody else on the court. And maybe that's not, you know, true for other than LeBron, because I think LeBron wants it any night. But Jimmy Butler inspired a lot of people uh, in that final series. I mean, like I said, he could have easily just been like, you know what? It's a wrap. He could have easily had game three be his Allen Iverson moment, you know, where he wins the one game and then they get gentlemen swept. No, he he fought harder and harder. And he excelled in the clutch despite being damn near just out of it. And for that, I give all the respect to him. I, I just can't even imagine any other player in the league doing that. There's not many folks. You know, he may not be, like, top five. That's fine. But not many people have just that evident drive. I mean, you can see it. Most of the time, you can't see that stuff. It's just tangible stuff, intangible stuff that you can't see. But you can see it on Jimmy. You can see it the way he carries himself. And also, he went out of his way in game five to give Duncan Robinson props. He could have made that about himself easily, but he didn't. You know, say what you want about his time in. Uh, Minnesota, you know, definitely crazy, but I just don't think that team was the right fit for him. Philly, they could have made it work. They didn't. We saw what happened there. Um, Miami is, it looks like home for Jimmy. 
I think Eric Spolstra and uh, Jimmy belong together and, and Pat Riley as well. And um, I'm just happy that, you know, Jimmy had a few moments in the series and he was the greatest player on the finals team. That was a couple of injuries away from really taking it somewhere that a lot of people wouldn't have thought for a fifth seed to go nowadays. And uh, yeah, that's, that's honorable. And it's it's not many players in this league that can carry a team that's so injury written and up against an elite one two punch like Anthony Davis and LeBron James, in addition to just a overall great defensive uh, Lakers team, for him to make it an issue and take it to six. Despite you know everything falling apart around him, it only speaks volumes of what kind of player he is. And man, I'm I'm just in marvel of of what he did this series. And I don't know. Yes, he could definitely be a better three point shooter, but I mean, he led the series in free throw attempts. I mean, isn't that what efficiency is all about? Is getting the easiest shot. And he was the best player in that. He was the best player of getting the easiest shot, a.k.a. the free throw. It's outstanding. So, uh, yeah, I I don't want to make this uh, super drawn out. Honestly, I just want to get on here and talk about what I saw and just give my props to both teams. And I want to say thank you, Adam Silver and everyone involved that made the bubble possible. I still don't understand how a sports league can be more organized than our government, than the U.S. government, and y'all pulled it off. And I want to say congratulations and thank you for giving us giving us so much content and just unforgettable moments and uh, that I'll cherish forever. And I can't wait for the days that we have fans back in the stands. But, you know, the NBA did the best they could with what they had. And and honestly, I think they uh, exceeded expectations, at least in my eyes. I mean, I really didn't think it was going to work as well. And I had a lot of fun and covering it. And I, and I can't wait for the, the next season, wherever that is. I mean, I've heard anything from January all the way to March, but I'm not going to speculate until we get a little bit more facts about that um but yeah uh before i get out of here i do want to say that i i have a some plans knowing i have some plans for the off season um yeah i don't want to get get too far into it but we might have a special guest next week um i don't want to necessarily give away who it is but that person is a writer for The Athletic, my favorite uh, content machine for sports. Um, so it could happen. I mean, he's a busy man. If not, we'll have something else in the tuck for y'all. Um, I'm working my butt off here to, to do what I can for this, uh, this podcast. Noe, he's always bringing uh, the fire takes, you know kind of balancing this uh, between our two personalities. And I'm having a lot of fun, and I had a lot of fun covering uh, the playoffs 
with Noe throughout this whole uh, bubble stint. And I look forward to giving all even better content in the offseason. But yeah, uh, I would very much appreciate it if you could go on and rate us. Tell us what we're doing good. Tell, tell us what we can do to improve upon the show. And also uh, subscribe on Apple. You know, of course, we're on Apple. We're on Spotify. You know, we're on Stitcher. Pretty much anywhere you get podcasts, we're on there. So please, please, please go on there, rate, and subscribe. Uh, let us know what you think about the show. And uh, yeah, this is Lance Robertson signing off. Thanks, y'all. Be safe out there.